Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello there ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me your host Dan the Viking. First things first, I want to say hello to our two new Patreon members, thank you very much for joining us over there for, uh, like I say every week, the special price of $5 per month, get these episodes just a little bit earlier um, and you don't have to deal with those annoying adverts and also most importantly it supports the show it's the best way you can support me, support the podcast and uh, get us out there to more listeners. Now I want to say that I'm currently recording this on the 13th of October and tomorrow is my dad's wedding day. He's getting married. He's been with uh, his partner for 30 years or over 30 years um, and he's finally getting married. So congratulations dad. I know this airs after the wedding day but congratulations and uh, I hope everyone listening will uh, congratulate you as well as like I said just send us a message on Facebook um, or post on the group so without further ado we are going to be talking about this week the Moorgate train crash now this was um, one of the most famous incidences at the time and actually other than the 7-7 bombings was the worst loss of life on a British underground system now the Moorgate tube station is a terminal station it is right at the end of the line and what they do at the end of these tube lines is they put a buffer system and sandbags at the end this train uh, any train that overshoots the platform by a little bit should hit the buffer and should be stopped by the sand so the buffer in this particular incident wasn't actually working on the day and although it still is a barrier uh, it's like a controlled barrier, so it would have the train would hit and the the, the barrier would go back and put push pressure forward. It was like a a mechanical barrier. That barrier wasn't working. The sand, although would help a uh, train from crashing into the concrete wall on the other side, it's not going to stop a train, and unfortunately, at full speed. Also, at the end of the line, they have a big red light. 
Okay, now obviously for those of you who have been on the London Underground, been on the tube system, you've seen how dark it is in those tunnels. You cannot see a thing. So that big red light is a massive warning to the drivers that they need to put the brakes on. On these trains in particular, they have a dead man switch. So the, in the 1970s, there was a dead man switch on the train. That had to be pressed the whole time. Okay, as soon as that hand was taken off the dead man switch, the train came to a stop. There was nothing you could do about it. It was a security feature introduced into the train system. And I don't know if it's still present on trains. I think now they're all pretty much controlled by um, by a control tower. I don't think they're actually driven as much as they were um, back in the 70s. But this particular train had a dead man switch. So... The driver, Leslie Newson, 56 years old, goes to work like any normal day. In fact, it's actually quoted by some of the drivers who'd seen him the day before that he seemed pretty normal. You know, it was just a normal day. He wasn't wasn't necessarily depressed. He didn't seem upset. Um, obviously, these are the questions that are going to be asked. You know, was this a suicide attempt? Is there... Was was he on a downer? Was there something wrong with him? Um, and the answer was just a categorical no. There's nothing wrong. You know, he came to work like his normal day. Um, he had a pot of milk with him, uh, a like a bag of sugar for his tea. He had his flasks ready. And he actually had £260 in his pocket. Now, for 1970s, that is quite a lot of money. Um, £260 he had in his pocket because his plan was to buy a car for his daughter once he'd finished work. He'd gone to work at 6 o'clock in the morning and he was basically travelling the train to and from Moorgate Station. And on the third journey, this is when the accident happened. So he's travelling back to Moorgate Station. As he's approaching the terminal, there's no indication that he's slowing down passengers on the platform can see the train coming through and they can see the train going at full speed there's no way this train is stopping so unfortunately there was nothing anybody could do there was no mechanical brakes there was nobody um in a control room that could say oh that train's coming into the terminal too fast let's put the brakes on there was no emergency system in place and Leslie Newson ploughed the train into the wall at the end of the Moorgate train station at full speed now he died on impact along with around 46 other passengers in one of the worst train crashes that's ever happened in British history when he ploughed into the wall, there were no first responders on site. The only people on site were doctors who were actually at the platform, who were there sort of on their way to work. You've got to remember, this is around 9 o'clock in the morning. This is very early, 1975, 22nd of February. And the the initial response from passengers on board the train was one that I would say is 100% British. Everybody got up, who obviously in the, in the rear carriages, you know, oh, sh the pictures will go on Facebook, you can see this train 
ploughed in and the, the second carriage or the first carriage behind the driver um, they all squished in they said that two seats became one seat the gap between the seats disappeared and everybody was shunted forwards as you would be the passengers who were able to get up got up um, and the first thing that passengers on the train were saying was don't panic don't panic we're okay don't panic now I believe that's a very British thing to do Um, I think the British do have that mentality of keep calm and carry on Um, I mean it's a massive thing in this country and we we do have that ability as a race to just get on with things and and that was pretty much the gist for the passengers that were on the train nobody really knew what had happened the passengers on the platform had said they'd seen Leslie Newsom coming into the into the um, terminal and he was awake he was upright he was alert and he seemed to know what he was doing now obviously they don't know they don't know what uh, well the passengers didn't know what was going on they just seen a train come plowing through but the eyewitnesses have said he was upright he was awake his eyes were open um, and he was for all intents and purposes in full control of that train so your initial response is this has got to have been a suicide attempt and take people with you that was the initial thought by the papers and by the emergency responders at the time the initial response or the initial thought the doctors on the platform were first on scene to help entered the train obviously as as quickly as they could tried to help out any injured survivors upon doing this one doctor realized they were wildly unequipped for the carnage that was there proceeded to climb the steps of Moorgate station to go onto the high street where he entered into a Boots pharmacy so for those of you who don't know Boots is like a chain chemist that we have in the UK um, and he raided their painkiller supplies took their morphine um, and any bandages and things like that that he could he could get his hands on obviously they were willing to help this is a, uh, a tragedy at the time so armed with all his medical equipment he goes back down to the tube station emergency responders are called okay now when the emergency responders arrive again they're expecting a basic train crash you know a train's gone into the wall they're not expecting this train to have gone into the wall at full speed they're probably expecting the driver to not have survived because the train's gone into a wall the driver's the first person to be hit but they get down to the platform of the station and they can see the wreckage they can see the carnage um, and again just wildly underestimating how dangerous and how bad this, this actual collision was the fire brigade are on scene they're there pulling survivors and dead out of the wreckage now I'll give you a little bit of perspective it took them four days to get Leslie Newson out so that just gives you a bit of an idea 
how bad this accident was. I mean, if you've seen the London Tube trains, they're only three or four carriages long. Some of them are a little bit longer. Uh, you've got to remember the last three or four carriages on that train, if it was a five or six train carriage, the last few carriages would have been completely empty. You're only talking about two carriages, really, that are damaged or that would require emergency services to go in. And it's taken them four days to get through them. So if you can picture that, that'll give you an idea of the scale of this this accident. And when they're going through this, okay, the, the London Underground system is... It's quite cool. For those of you who have been down there, for those of you who have been on the London Underground system, it's quite a cool temperature down there. Because it's underground, you'd think, oh yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, it's not. Okay, the way the London Underground system works is the trains are carved or made in a way that they just fit in the tube carving. And what that does is that allows the train to push air through the tunnels and through the platforms. For those of you who have been on it, you will attest to the fact that when a train approaches the platform, it's very, very windy. Yeah, that's because that train is pushing all that cold air or all the fresh air through. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Through the system, cooling the platform down. As I'm sure you can imagine, in this particular incident, they shut all trains. So it gets very hot very, very quickly, underground. It reached a maximum of 40 degrees down there. 40 degrees centigrade, that's 104 degrees Fahrenheit. For a fireman, or police officer, or even a doctor, mainly I'm talking um, police and firemen, because they, they are fully equipped. The doctor's there. Obviously, a doctor can still work in a T-shirt and shorts. Um, I don't know if they were in T-shirts and shorts, but a doctor can cool themselves down. A fireman has to go in fully equipped, fully loaded, helmet, gloves, uh, gauntlets, boots, the lot. It was hot. 40 degrees in full kit. That's, that's not a not a situation anybody wants to be put in. In fact, it was so hot that firemen were only allowed 20 minutes inside the wreckage before they had to come out and swap for somebody else. And that, again, it just adds to the fact that they were just not able to get through this wreckage. You had someone in there for only 20 minutes before they were swapped out. So if you were at the front of that wreckage, it could have taken you 5 minutes to get there. So if you've got 20 minutes under there, you've only got 10 minutes clear in the wreckage. 5 minutes in, 5 minutes out, 10 minutes to clear something. And when you get out, the other guy's going in. These The gaps in these trains, between the trains and the walls are so small you can only get one person in and out at a time so it was a very very slow cleanup process and it's one that's sort of lived in London's history and it's one that's not really very well talked about I mean the the Moorgate train crash is not on the top of people's 
you know lists when they're talking about um tragedies and things like that in history it's one of those ones that sort of gets ignored especially if you're not from london you don't really know about it and unless you use the northern line which is the the line moorgate's on again you don't really know about it i mean the london tube is is vast it's massive there's 260 miles of track and i think 272 stations on the london underground system that doesn't include the overground which is um places that go so you've got it's a strange system but you've got places like golders green high barnet that are overground but then go into the underground so they start above ground and then they go in underground as they approach places like moorgate and then you've also got places uh like for for example where i'm from which is carpenters park bushy watford that are overline but they still go into the center of london so the amount of trains that actually enter into london is massive now this is rush hour as well there were over 300 people on board that train and if this was to happen now you'd probably be talking nearer to a thousand people on that train so the carnage is unparalleled and you've got to remember at this time they're thinking this must have been a suicide attempt must have been he's sat upright he's alert he hasn't taken his hand off the dead man switch so if he'd passed out or fallen to the floor his hand will have come off the dead man switch the train would have stopped in the middle of the tunnel but he didn't his hand was on there the whole time he plowed into the wall he's got 200 quid in his pocket his plan is to go and buy a car for his daughter he had his tea and coffee in fact one one of his colleagues actually asked him in the morning can i borrow some sugar and he said yeah you can borrow some but go lightly because i'll want another cup of tea when i get off shift not the words of someone who is expecting to kill themselves so there was a bit of doubt around this did he try and kill himself or was there something more to it and we don't they didn't know at the time they 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 just hadn't got a clue they they were running with tragedy possible suicide they didn't know and again they're not going to know for four days because it takes four days for them to get to leslie newson's body and the scary thing about that that i find is how the media took the story and ran with this man as a as basically a suicidal murderer who for all intents and purposes wanted to take his own life and kill as many people as possible with it in fairness we didn't know they didn't know the police didn't know nobody knew and to this day we're still not sure Obviously, the post-mortem on Leslie Newson's body showed no medical reason to explain the crash. And a cause for the crash has never actually been established. Obviously, the theory of suicide has come up as a massive one. He's, that's what the papers ran with at the time. Or possibly he just wasn't paying attention. But again, those two stories, they are in conflict. The fact that he was alert and at the wheel people said he was looked like he was paying attention looked like he knew what he was doing 
<clears throat> he was awake. So, was he distracted? Probably not. Was he suicidal when he indicated to his friends and colleagues that he was planning on buying his daughter a, a car in the afternoon when he finished work? We don't know. They think there is a possibility he was affected by a global transient am- as amnesia. Okay, sorry, that was terrible English. Um, global amnesia, um, or basically something that paralyzed him in, in his place. And he couldn't move, couldn't do anything, he couldn't take his hand off the switch. He was basically stuck in that position, and there was there was nothing he could do. Now, a post-mortem wouldn't show that he was paralysed because the wreckage, he was... Obviously, he wasn't going to be in a good position. So, we don't really know. Um, The subsequent inquest into the the crash established that Newson also had inexplicably overshot the platform on the same route on two other occasions earlier that week. So... He'd done this before, but not at full speed. Tests show that Newson's blood level, uh, blood alcohol level, sorry, um, of 80 milligrams over 100 milliliters. Um, in other words, he would have been done for drink driving if he was driving a car. Um, the alcohol may have produced um, his inability to stop the train, but again. He was decomposing for four days in a high temperature. So it is possible that his body naturally processed the alcohol as well. Because obviously he's fermenting. You know, he may have had a little bit of alcohol in, but over a course of four days in 40 plus degrees heat, it's it's possible that, well, he wasn't actually drunk at all. He had a, a minor amount of alcohol or maybe no alcohol in his system. And it had just fermented over the time. But in the aftermath of the crash, London Underground introduced a safety system that automatically stops a train when it's moving too fast. Um, This has become known informally as the Moorgate Protection. The Northern City Line services into Moorgate actually ended in October 1975. And British Rail started services again Um, in August 1976 after a long campaign by relatives of the dead two memorials were unveiled near the station one in July 2013 and one in February 2014 now I'm sure you can imagine the clean up for this was pretty bad Um, there were no once there were no casualties remaining the fire brigade were able to use flame cutting equipment um, to remove everything from the carriage um by the first of march the third carriage had been winched back down the track and then they began to move bodies one by one the chief fire officer joseph milner of the london fire brigade uh, gave the first indication of how this would be done he was the man in charge of of everything and it was just i mean it like i said it was a it was a horrible thing to have happened um but again, we still don't really know why it happened. They found no physical condition, no stroke, no heart attack, nothing like that that would have given an indication that he'd done this as a complete accident. But he passed all the psychological tests um, that were required for the job. 
his friends and his family attested to the fact that he wasn't depressed or he didn't seem depressed now this is another thing with depression um having suffered it myself um quite badly nobody knows <laughs> nobody knows and as a bloke no one talks to you about it you know you just get on with it the 1970s it was even worse even worse 1975 you could not turn around to a doctor and say i'm feeling depressed you just couldn't do it it was not the manly thing to do nowadays it's a little bit more acceptable but again there still is that stigma behind it so do we know do we really know whether mr leslie newson decided to end his life and end 46 others as well and injure almost 100 people or was it as is a possibility a paralysis in his body that couldn't be spotted and ended in a very unfortunate accident one that wouldn't see the london underground brought to terror until 7-7 when it was under attack i don't know i'm not sure what do you think do you guys think it was on purpose do you think his having money in his pocket was a a cover story and he really wasn't bothered about his cup of tea at the end of the day because he knew he wasn't going to be here or do we think that actually there's a possibility he didn't mean to do it and he didn't know it was happening and it was a paralysis and something that could not be controlled and was just a very very unfortunate accident unfortunately we will never know because there's no evidence to suggest anything so there we go only a short episode today um because obviously with a lot preparing for the wedding um a lot of things going on so uh, i have made a promise that i was going to try and get an episode out this week so here we are i hope you have enjoyed it um and we shall see you next time and don't forget support the show get onto patreon and join us and help us out thanks for listening When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.